there's no valley that he won't walk through cause love will never give up on you love will never give up on you love will never give up even when the going gets quite against tough there's no valley that he won't walk through cause love will never give up on you love will Give it. 
First, I'm just going to step back. Just, just simply pick up at the at the top first. You know, like just play through, start playing through the song. And if he gets done, if he gets done um, with, before you're done, don't even worry. Just keep playing. I'm listening to you, so that when you get to a stop that you spot or a, a place where you stop, then I will just be ready to, to pick up whenever. Okay. And then if he actually goes longer than a verse, just start the verse over again. Okay. Yep, so there's no, and just play softly, so there's no, no problem, no rush, okay? You sh and you should be able to hear him in here, so. Is it turned on? Okay. Uh, what time? Because sometimes it's not. Yes, it is on. Well, you see my transition's a little bit rough, but I'll just follow no, you. Oh, no, you, okay. you, did, you did perfect. So basically, we're just going to hold that out to finish the, um, the, the verse, and then you just start on, on the, uh, the chorus, and it just simply changes time there. But okay. we have, uh, what if we have Jesus constantly abiding, then higher ground. 
Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Temple Baptist Church. Take your song books. Please stand, if you will. Page 355. What a friend we have in Jesus. Page 355. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. If you look at the top left hand of that hymn in your hymn book, you see the name Joseph Scriven. Joseph Scriven was born in 1819 in Ireland, and in 1846, tragically, the night before his wedding, his fiancée tragically drowned. And a little bit later, he moved to Canada, and uh, just uh, not ironically, but uh, tragically, He met a a lady by the name of Eliza Roche. They were uh, engaged to be married. And just shortly before their wedding day, she also passed away. Here's a man who knew a thing or two about tragedy, about grief. And in 1855, he penned this hymn. The purpose of him writing this hymn was actually to be a comfort to his own mother, who at that time was going through some grief and some uh, tragedy in her life as well. He had no intention for this hymn to ever be published. In fact, he said later that this hymn was between my Lord and I. And yet someone got a hold of this hymn and published it. And uh, and it's an amazing hymn. And when you think about the words of this and you think about the tragedy that uh, is behind it, perhaps maybe it'll put a little bit more meaning to it as we think about our own troubles and trials and temptations and tragedies. And let us never forget What a friend we have in Jesus. Welcome to the service. All of you live stream watchers, welcome as well. Let's continue on the second verse of this wonderful hymn. Sorry. 
flip back a couple pages. Page 336. Page 336. Constantly abiding. Page 336. There's a peace in my heart that the world never gave, a peace it cannot take away. Though the trials of life may surround like a cloud, I have a peace that has come there to stay. Constantly seated. All right. Well, this is a pretty good crowd here, actually, for this Sunday. We've still got uh, quite a few of our families. In fact, probably about a third of our congregation is quarantining right now because of either getting over uh, COVID or uh, quarantining because of exposure to COVID and so forth. And so uh, appreciate you being here this morning. And once again, all of you live stream watchers, we're glad that you've joined us as well, and uh, trust that the service today will be a blessing to all. And uh, pray for one another that God will get us through this latest outbreak. Uh, it appears that everybody is recovering uh, pretty well, and I'm not aware of anybody that's having extreme severe sickness, so hopefully that trend will continue, and hopefully we can get back to normal here very, very soon. 
As far as announcements today, this afternoon, we will not be having kids choir, but we will be opening the chapel at 5 for prayer, come as you please. And then at 6 o'clock this evening is our evening service. We've got missionary Jay Ross, who is a veteran missionary in Israel. He was actually trained in ministry by one of my Bible school teachers, David Reagan from Knoxville, Tennessee. And so um, he he's a good brother, and I'm sure that he'll have some uh, some good stuff for us here this evening. And then Wednesday, we've got our Bible study and prayer meeting at 7, but also note that this Wednesday will actually be our last Master Club night. It was scheduled for last Wednesday, but we had to cancel that service because of COVID. So this Wednesday, last night of Master Club, and then we'll have the Master Club and the Teen Group Awards on Sunday, uh, June 5th. That's a week from today. Thursday at 10 a.m., there will be a Jolly Seniors meeting here at the church. If you have questions about that, see Brother Terry Paw. And then this coming Saturday is our regular scheduled events. Eight in the morning is men's prayer meeting, and then noon is our street ministry. Uh, Looking up ahead, we have our Vacation Bible School, June 27th through June 30th. We have these little flyers available in uh, on the rack out there in the Information Center. And so uh, grab as many of these as you can use. We can easily print up some more and uh, hand these out. And let's really labor as, as much as we possibly can to try to fill Vacation Bible School up this year. Uh, we're going to have a great Vacation Bible School. Last year we had to cancel, and so we need to get some of that momentum back. And uh, hopefully through prayer, as well as you putting some feet to that prayer, we can get a whole lot of kids that need to be there uh, in our Vacation Bible School. They'll hear the gospel, they'll learn, they'll learn about God, and also they'll have a great time in doing it. And speaking uh, of uh, outreach, uh, welcome all of you guests that are with us here today. Uh, it is our privilege to have you in the service. And then uh, I think, let's see, that's got everything covered. So let's go ahead and sing our last hymn this morning, hymn number 327, Higher Ground. Let's all stand. I'm pressing on the upward way.
seated. All right, first thing I want to say here this morning is I'd like to praise the Lord personally for some things that He's been doing in my life. Uh, I cannot begin to thank Him and praise Him enough for His faithfulness, and uh, this past few weeks uh, have been kind of a time of personal revival for me, and uh, I'm glad that the Lord has been giving grace and strength and help. And uh, just this past week, I had about three or four specific prayer requests that God answered, I mean, answered the very next day. And and I knew that it was God giving a token of his blessings that uh, he's still working in my life. And I just want to thank him publicly and praise him for that. And I would encourage uh, each and every one of you to just uh, draw closer to the Lord And uh, the Bible says, if we'll draw nigh to him, then he will draw nigh to us. And that's a promise in God's word. And I would just encourage all of you to do just that. Well, this is Memorial Day weekend. And so the first thing that I'd like to do before we get into the sermon is uh, I'd like to remind you all that Romans 13 and verse number seven teaches us that we are to render honor to whom honor is due. It is appropriate today, and really every day for that matter, to thank God for all of our fallen and wounded servicemen, as well as their families who have made untold sacrifices and endured untold hardship to help ensure the freedom that we enjoy today. I'd like to just uh, tell you a, a little bit about a gentleman that uh, my wife and I, and uh, perhaps maybe some of you or some of you listening that you knew this young man, Sergeant James Holtham was 22 years old. He was from Rexburg, Idaho. He was assigned to the 321st Engineer Battalion out of Boise, Idaho. He was a quiet but a strong young man who was dearly loved and greatly respected by his family. He died on February 8, 2007 of wounds sustained when an improvised explosive device detonated near his unit while on combat patrol in Karma, Iraq. Sergeant Holtam was a specialist trained to clear roadside bombs that had taken the lives of hundreds of young soldiers. He gave his life while trying to save lives. Today, personally... My heart and prayers still go out to the Holtam family and the loved ones and friends who still bear the sorrow of this great loss. In telling you that story, I'm reminded of every fallen, injured, and affected serviceman and woman who have suffered while serving in our military. I've witnessed firsthand a former soldier taking his daughter to a ball game and enduring emotional trauma at the end when everyone else is enjoying the fireworks display. To all who have given their life, their health, their heart to defend our freedom, as well as the sacrifice to of their loved ones, we say from the bottom of our heart, thank you. 
It's not enough. We know it. But it is certainly deserved and then some. And we wish you all God's grace and God's peace. Brothers and sisters, may we never forget the sacrifice that has been made so that we can enjoy the freedom to be called an American, to live in this country, to be able to worship here today. It's something that we take for granted, and we need to stop taking it for granted because it may end one day, even in our lifetime. So let's remember to give thanks to God and give thanks for all of these who have suffered on our behalf. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into the message. Father, thank you for Jim Holtam, the Holtam family, all the loved ones, Lord. Uh, My mind can think of many, some extremely close, and how this affected their life. And I'm reminded of these here at Temple Baptist who have sons, Lord, who have suffered PTSDs, Lord, who have uh, just given great sacrifices and bear the emotional trauma of all the experience of war and losing their buddies and just what they've seen and what they've done, Lord, in defense of our country and in carrying out their duty. I think back to the Revolutionary War and the Civil War and all the many wars. World War II, we lost thousands and thousands of people. Lord, uh, Korea and Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan, the war against terror. Lord, we cannot put a number on the suffering and sacrifice that have been endured, but God, we can certainly say thank you and ask that you would bless and comfort and help each and every one. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we enjoy today. We give you all the glory and the honor in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles, go to the book of Psalms 127, the 127th Psalm, and go ahead and turn to Proverbs 21 as well. We're going to look at both of these passages of Scripture. I'm going to kind of set a preface here for the message today because I believe that this If the message is going to mean anything to you today, then the principles that we see in the next two passages of Scripture, it is vital that we understand and apply them before we even consider the truths that I'm going to tell you here this morning. In Psalm 127 and verse number 1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. And then Proverbs 21 and verse number 31, the Bible says, the horse is prepared against the day of battle. Of course, this is speaking of a battle horse, a war horse. It's prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. Father, we ask that you would bless this message today. Give me uh, your blessings, the spirit of God and liberty and clarity. We pray, Father, that our hearts and minds would be open. Lord, that we would live as we ought to live and understand our identity in this world. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. My message this morning is entitled, Your Castle. 
We must see from the passages that we just read that God does not want us to live in fear and in insecurity. However, he doesn't say that we shouldn't labor, that we shouldn't build, that we shouldn't watch. Listen, the psalmist says that the Lord is the one that has to build the house. The Lord is the one that ultimately keeps the city. He does not say, don't build, don't watch. He doesn't say, don't prepare the horse for battle. He just simply says, it's vain for you to stay up all night stressing and fretting about it because ultimately our safety, when we have done what we are responsible to do, ultimately our safety belongs in the Lord's hands. It's vain for us to think that we can do enough. We can never do enough. Today, sadly, I'm reminded of the false sense of security we all had in America prior to 9-11. Some of you young people, you don't remember that. You either weren't born or you were too young. But many of you adults, you remember that false sense of security we had uh, on 9-10 until we found out that we are vulnerable to attack. Maybe not from missiles and armies and so forth, but certainly from terrorists and certainly from an opposing ideology. I'm reminded of this false sense of security because of the recent events that took place this past week in Texas that remind us of all the dangers that lurk around us. When tragedy strikes, Human nature pours out a mixture of emotions. We demand answers. Fingers begin to get pointed, casting blame. Listen, somebody must pay, right? And that's the mentality of fallen human nature. And I find it interesting how many people with that very same mentality will fault the God of heaven who demands justice for the breaking of his law God in His holiness and in His righteous judgment, when His law is violated and broken, there has to be a payment. Now listen, this is not a gospel salvation message today, but I want to remind all of us that thank God if we are saved, Jesus Christ paid that payment for us to to, to satisfy the demands of a holy righteous judge. But the world looks at a tragedy that happened this week and says, somebody's got to pay, somebody's got to be blamed. And yet many of those same people, most of them, if you will, will not acknowledge that the God, our creator, that he feels the same way when the tragedy of sin came into this world. A lot of talk is going on. Excuse me, uh, let me let me back up just a little bit. This past May 24th, 18-year-old Salvador Ramos fatally shot 19 students, two teachers, wounded 17 others at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. Earlier that day, he shot his grandmother in the face and severely wounded her. And so most of you are aware that a lot of talk is going on about possible failures of police officers 
breaches in school security protocol. Many are outraged. And listen, when children's lives are lost due to the neglect or failure of those who are employed to protect them, we should be outraged. Keep in mind, I'm not saying that any of this talk is true. I don't know the facts, and I'm not sure that uh, in the ongoing investigation that anyone truly knows all of the facts just yet. I'm simply saying that there's a lot of talk about this, a lot of speculation and a lot of possibilities. And so let's just say, hypothetically, that there were failures and that our outrage or your outrage is justified. In light of today's message, I want to point out that you are a hypocrite if you don't recognize the spiritual warfare that is around us all. You're foolish if you are not diligently doing all you can to protect what God has entrusted to you. That starts with your soul. That starts with your life. It also moves on to your family and to anyone and everyone that God has put in your life and entrusted you with to protect. Listen, the Word of God says this in 1 Peter 5, verse number 8, Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And so the message this morning, I start with point number one, and that is this. Do you have a castle mentality? I'll explain that as we go. Revelation chapter one and verse number five The Apostle John says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, thank God we're saved and on our way to heaven. But what else do we get when we get saved? Verse number six, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. We are made unto God kings and priests. Now, in light of that, there are two different extremes in which people approach life. There's the castle versus the village mentality. The castle and the village are metaphors that represent two poles of psychological coping Overregulation and underregulation. Each has its strengths and its weaknesses, but when either is overly prominent, rigidly adhered to, problems arise. Now this comes from modern psychology. The statement that I just presented to you, I'm not saying that that statement is true. I'm simply saying that that's the way that human, that's the way that humans look at the ways that we can live our life in order to have security and protection. The castle or the village. Now, the medieval castle was used by kings and nobility. (laughs) Interesting, we are kings. We are nobility in God's eyes. To keep their persons and their property safe in a feudalistic culture. What is a feudalistic culture? It's basically survival of the fittest. The strong survive. If I'm more powerful than you, then I can take what you have and now it becomes mine. Sounds kind of like 
Putin today in Russia? You know, hey, I got the power. I'm going to go in and invade Ukraine. Uh, I think that he was uh, intelligent enough. I wouldn't use the word smart, but he had enough intellect to know that, hey, I'm going to go in and I'm going to attack Ukraine. I'm going to take it over because no one's going to stop me. I don't think that he thinks for a minute that nobody can stop him. I think that he just recognizes that no one's going to because it's just not worth the struggle. And I think that's what we're experiencing here in America today. We don't like what's going on. We're against it. And what we're doing is we're sending weapons and we're sending money, but we don't want to sacrifice our our young men and our young women in our military to go over there and fight that battle. Now, I will say this. We probably look at this and go, well, what's the difference between what's going on in Ukraine and what's been going on the last 20 plus years in Iraq and Afghanistan? The answer, in all honesty, is not much. It's pretty much the same thing. But the leaders, leaders of our nation know that it's probably, uh, it's not going to go as well if we go against Russia as it has went going against a bunch of terrorists and people in Afghanistan and Iraq. Listen, Iraq was really nothing. We, we lost several hundred men when we first attacked Iraq. It was, it was pretty much an easy victory. And so many of our leaders, they kind of cherry pick the things to get involved in, the ones that we think that we can uh, make a difference without much sacrifice. And listen, I'm not saying that public policy and the what we've done in the past, it's not my place to judge whether these wars were worth it or not. I know one thing, I know one thing, there hasn't been another bombing of the Twin Towers. I will say this, that Under our previous president, we had four years where there wasn't even the hint of an attack. Why? Because we showed some strength. I think that the world knew that if you mess with us, then you're going to pay the price. Thank God. Now, we didn't go out and try to attack other people to flex our muscles and to show how strong we were. We had the mentality of a leader to say, hey, we are being strong so that we don't have to fight so that our young men don't have to give their lives. And I hope hope and pray that we will get that mentality back in the near future. As we look at the world and how it's going, we need to have that strength once again. And so I implore us all to pray for our nation. The medieval castle was used to keep their persons and property safe in a very, very dangerous culture where everybody, if you had something, then everybody wanted to take it from you. And so you had to be strong. I've heard the rationale from believers regarding how they don't want to over-regulate or over-protect their children for fear that they will rebel. That's been the prevailing mentality in modern Christianity. Hey, how's it working? It's not working. It's extremely rare and uncommon to find a Christian home 
that doesn't basically do the same things that the world does. And it may not go to the same extremes, but it's still the same stuff. It's just different flavors of the world, different levels of worldliness, but still they're not living the way that God wants His children to live as kings and priests, that, hey, we're different than the world. Basically, the average Christian family today, they participate in the same entertainment, they have the same priorities, they have the same standards, and I could go on and on and on. I want to remind you here this morning, mom and dad, this isn't just for parents, by the way, this is for all of us. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse number 16, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. The average Christian parent today They want their children to honor and obey them, and they want them to live the kind of life that they want them to live, but yet that same parent could not look in the mirror and say, am I treating my heavenly father the same way that I want my children to treat me? Listen, if you don't understand who you are and how you fit in this world, you will never, ever know how to survive spiritually in this world. The first thing that we've got to recognize is that we are not of this world. We are separate from this world. And we need to have a castle mentality. Which brings us to number two. The castle mentality recognizes the enemies. John chapter number 10, red letters, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. He said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Satan is a terrorist and he will stop at no end to take away what God has given you to destroy your life. He comes to destroy, to steal and to kill. Listen, what do we have to protect? Hey, number one, our identity. Satan doesn't want us to reflect the identity that we're different, that we're like Jesus Christ. Jesus came into this world and he was made by this world, but the world received him not. He didn't come in and he didn't fit in with the world. He was very separate from this evil world. He was much like Noah. Noah who was in a wicked world. And in Noah's days, it's interesting that God says of their culture that their thoughts and their imaginations were evil continually, evil from their youth. You know, we are definitely in a very similar condition in this world today where the thoughts and the imaginations of men's hearts are evil from their youth. Listen, how could someone do what they did this past week It's because there are evil thoughts and imaginations. 
Listen, I dare say any of you that are either gray-headed or bald-headed here today because of age. You look back to when you were a teenager, when you were 18, the thought of going into a school and murdering little children, that was unthinkable. It would never even enter your mind. What is wrong with us today? Well, I'll tell you what, we're living in a very feudalistic society and Satan is trying to steal and kill and destroy. And if we can, if we will take security measures, listen, you got firewalls on your computer. You got security cameras at your house. I mean, you've got all kinds of things in order to provide security in a very evil, harmful culture. But yet, what are you doing to build your spiritual castle and recognizing the enemies? He wants to destroy and steal your identity. He wants you to be like everybody else in the world. Hey, you're looking at someone that was there. He stole as a teenager Listen, any of you teenagers, you're looking at a man, I'm preaching this with heart and love and compassion because I was there. My teenage years, the thief came in and he destroyed my identity through discouragement, through hypocrisy of Christian leaders. And he came in and he got a hold of my heart and oh my, how he almost took me down. If it wasn't for the grace of God and the Holy Spirit of God and a praying mama and praying friends and the, 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 just the, the real Christian testimony that I would see, my life would have never become what it is today. He wants to take your testimony. You better protect your testimony and your integrity. Young people, you better protect your virginity because Satan wants to steal it from you. The world wants to take it away. Your family, your rewards. Listen, we're all going to live this life and this life is just a vapor. And we're going to go into the millennium for a thousand years and then off into eternity. And Satan wants to take every reward out of your life. He wants to take that away. Why? Because those rewards are not just for our benefit, but just like in the Revelation, when they're before the throne of God and they're casting their crowns at the Lord's feet. It is for the glory and honor of our Savior who loved us and died. You, you look at what Jesus did for us. How can we repay him? We cannot. But we can at least give him a token in return saying, hey, I'm going to live my life the way that you want me to live. I'm not going to be part of this world. I'm going to build a castle and I'm going to protect my life and everything that you've given me from the enemy. He'll steal your joy and your peace. The modern soldier in America today has taken an oath, sworn an oath to protect our nation against all enemies, foreign and domestic. We need to remember that there are enemies within and there are enemies without. Matthew 7, verse number 15, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. They want to destroy you and take away your life, but oh, they don't come to you snarling, 
Ah, I'm going to tear you apart. No, they come to you in sheep's clothing. They come to you and they smile and they say, Oh, you don't have to be a Pharisee. Don't be like those judgmental haters. It's okay for you to take that drink. It's okay for you to listen to that music and go to that dance. Oh, listen, God doesn't care what you wear. It doesn't matter if you expose yourself and doesn't matter. Listen, God gave you that attractive body. He wants you to show it off, right? Yeah, no one's ever said that to me. (laughs) But is that not how the world and even, sadly, the average Christian has that mentality? Where did it come from? It came from wolves in sheep's clothing. Today's Laodicean Christian, if you don't know what that is, read Revelation 3. The Laodicean Christian says, hey, I'm increased in goods. I have nothing. I've got everything that I want. Hey, let's eat, drink, and be merry. Everything's good, right? That's Laodicea. They have a false, excuse me, we have a false sense of security. And that's just where... The devil wants us. Amos 6, verse number 1 says, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria. Oh my, brothers and sisters, we are at ease in Zion. We are sitting on our blessed assurance and we're glad, hey, I'm saved and on my way to heaven. Let everybody else in the world get theirs the best way that they can. Don't you think that it is tragic for people to live in a Christian home where mom and dad built a castle, tried to protect them from the world, and as a little child, a little boy or a little girl, they accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And then they walk out of the castle and go live in the village and say, hey, I'm on my way to heaven. Everybody else in the village, you just get yours the best way that you can. Talk about ingratitude. Talk about selfishness. Welcome to modern Christianity today. Will it take moral failure to wake you up? Perhaps a child that makes foolish choices, a divorce, a wasted life. Is that what it's going to take to wake you up and to recognize that the castle mentality means we've got to be aware of the enemies, both foreign and domestic, both outward and inward, that are trying to take away our testimony, our identity, our family, our rewards, our joy, and our peace, and the list could go on and on and on. Number three, your castle must be fortified. When I think about a castle being fortified, the first thing that comes to mind that makes it a castle would be the walls. Walls are built to keep the bad things out and the good things in. These are a metaphor for rules, for standards, for restrictions, all of those wonderful things that if your heart's right with God, you love them. If your heart's not right with God, you despise those things. By the way, modern Christian who despises standards and convictions Because somebody, a wolf in a sheep clothing, told you that Jesus 
rebuke the Pharisees, and you don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a Pharisee either. But listen, Jesus said of the Pharisees, he said, your problem isn't your rules, your problem is your priorities. He said all that they tell you to do, he said, do it. There's nothing wrong with their rules. The problem is, is they don't have their priorities straight, and they are assuming that their rules make them spiritual. Jesus didn't say that. He said, have the rules, but just make sure that you have the love of God. Make sure that you're making righteous judgments. Make sure that you're exercising mercy and that you're not becoming proud of your rules and your standards and convictions like many independent Baptists have become. Walls, they create a separation from the evil outside. I think that the size of your walls need to be adequate to protect your all the things that God's given you, your walls. Listen, I, everybody's walls don't have to be the same size. You know, the things that I need to protect myself from might be a little different than the things you have to. Listen, I, I had, as I already mentioned, Satan had a hold of my life and had some strongholds when I was in my high school years. And because of that, I have to build my walls a little taller and thicker in some areas in my life than perhaps maybe you do that you've never wandered out into the world and gotten a taste for those things. And then there's some of you here today that you need to have walls even higher and thicker than I do. You say, preacher, how high should my walls be and how strong should they be? Figure it out for you. Say, God, it's not that difficult. Anyone whose heart is right with God, you know when something is influencing you in the wrong direction. You know when there's a tug of temptation and influence. We should flee those youthful lusts. We should be honest and not say, well, I don't think I should have that rule because after all, you know, so-and-so doesn't. Oh, pastor said that I shouldn't do this or watch this, but they're so-and-so, they're a godly person, and they're okay with it. Hey, where do you get the idea that you're supposed to live in somebody else's castle. You're supposed to build your own castle. Now, it's important here to note, please get this, there's a difference between a castle and a palace and a fort. Huge difference. Palaces are for living in luxury and comfort. Now, there's no nothing that says you can't have a palace inside your castle, okay? Whereas forts are not for living, they're only for protection. That's the only thing they're for. And there are Christians who live in a palace, Laodicea. Hey, listen, let's just enjoy everything that the world's enjoying, and then I'm saved, so I'll go to heaven. And then there's some who are living in forts to where there's no living, there's no joy, there's no experiencing the grace of life together. We're not enjoying God's creation. We're simply holding up in a fort, and that's all that we're doing. Listen, if you're inside a fort and there's no living, what's the difference between a fort and a prison? Nothing. And so we're not saying build a fort 
We're certainly not condoning living in a palace, but we're saying build a castle where we can learn how to live in this world, but still be protected from this world. Got to have walls. When I think about walls, I think about certain rules and restrictions that we place on the internet, social media. Listen, I, 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 I can't speak for all of you ladies, but every single one of you men here, if you've got a smartphone or if you've got access to your internet, you need to have accountability. Filters, firewalls, accountability. Listen, I try to I don't try. This is my phone, my computer. My wife has total access to it. If I mess up, I want to get caught. I want to because I don't want to continue. I don't want to let the devil. I don't want to hurt my wife. I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't want to hurt my testimony. But I certainly don't want to start going down a path to where Satan gets a hold of my heart and my life. Listen, gentlemen. If you're, if you don't have some walls there, be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Just say, God, I need some help here. Don't expect God to magically take that temptation away if you're not willing to build a wall. How foolish would that be? God, protect me. And we won't put the whole armor of God on. God's like, I, I'm wanting to protect you. I gave you the ability. You just got to do it. And then there's the tower. The tower is designed to watch for the enemy, to see them at a distance. Generally, the landscape is cleared between the castle wall and the forest or any surrounding things. It is cleared or it is the, the tower is elevated so that we can see the enemy from a long ways away. I don't know about you, but I don't want, I don't want the wolf. I don't want to recognize the wolf when he's getting ready to chew on my ankle. I don't want to recognize the lion as he's getting ready to leap upon my life as a roaring lion and devour me. I don't want to recognize it then. It might be too late. I want to see him a long ways away, and I want to be prepared. If we would wake up and... Listen, 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men, be strong. Watch in the faith. That means to be awake, alert, and to recognize what's going on. Can you imagine with what we're dealing with in today's culture with technology, with internet and smartphones and all of the just, I mean, the fashions and the movies and the the news media and the education system. Can you imagine if some of the preachers of yesterday were to see what's going on today? Listen, I've listened to Lester Roloff's sermons and boy, he was he was lamenting how bad it was back in the 70s. And I'm like, Brother Roloff, that's the glory years to us. We need to see it a long ways away, and we're not going to do it if we don't build a tower. How do we build a tower? 
right here, this book. Hey, the Holy Spirit within us. We start listening. We start desiring. Listen, you'll see some things if you want to see some things. And the problem with Christians today is they don't want to see it. I mean, the preacher can get up here and talk to you about how evil that booze is, how it's the devil's drink. It's just like, what's wrong with sipping a little glass of wine? You know, you may be able to do it. You may be able to drink a beer here and there. But what's going to happen when your teenage son drinks your beer and goes out and drives drunk and kills somebody? How are you going to feel about it then? Oh, there's nothing wrong with watching this movie or looking at this magazine. Yeah, how are you going to feel about that when your teenage daughter comes home and says, Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant. You and I both know I'm not talking about some hypothetical thing that doesn't happen very often. I'm talking about something that's in the newspaper almost every day. People you know, maybe some of you have experienced some of that, and it's tragic and it's heartbreaking. And maybe it's because you didn't build a wall and you didn't build a tower. Hey, it's not too late. It's never too late to build your castle. How about a gate? Every castle has a gate. The gate was the most vulnerable part of the castle. It had to be as strong as possible, but it had to be functional. Since the gate was the most vulnerable, security protocols were the strictest. Matthew 10, verse number 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Hey, Dad, are you being a good gatekeeper? Mom, sister, Are you being a good gatekeeper? John 17, verse number 15, the Lord says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. You ought to read John 15, 16, and 17, and even 18. You'll find out how the Lord Jesus is telling us to live. He's not saying that we should hole up and isolate ourselves from this world. He's saying that we need to recognize that we are living in an evil world and that he's not going to take us out of here, but we've got to learn how to live in this evil world. There's got to be a gate. The gates open that open up to evil around us. Listen, what what are those gates? I'll, I'll tell you what some of them are. They're friends. Their music, books, magazines, internet, smartphones, social media, television, movie theaters, schools, colleges, universities. These are all doorways that open up to evil. The gatekeeper must be discerning and diligent. He can't let everything in, but he can't keep everything out. Once again, as we've already seen, 1 Peter 5, verse number 8, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. 
We've got to learn how to be wise, discerning, and diligent gatekeepers. Don't fall asleep at the gate. Keep your watch. Stay awake. Stay alert. Don't let that garbage come in that's going to influence you or your loved ones, your family toward evil. Don't let the devil get a toehold in your life or in your heart. In conclusion, Salvador Ramos entered Rob Elementary School through a side door that was propped open by a chair. Listen, folks, this is three minutes after the teacher called 911 from the same propped open door to report to authorities that there was a man with a gun nearby. The threat was recognized, but evidently it was not taken seriously. Police officers waited over 45 minutes to breach the classroom and take out Ramos. Listen, they were either unprepared, misinformed, misled, or perhaps maybe not as vigilant as they should have been. Listen, you can blame Ramos. You can blame his mom, his dad, his grandmother, God help her. You can blame the teacher or the police. You can blame the gun. You can blame the Second Amendment. You can blame Biden. Blame Trump for that matter. But if you're not living with the castle mentality... You are a hypocrite, and it will sadly take tragedy for you to recognize it. Take heed to our Lord. Matthew 26, verse 41, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Mark 13, verse 33, take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. Wake up, brother and sister. Wake up, mom and dad. Wake up, teenager. Stop trying to figure out how much you can get away with. Stop trying to figure out how that you can enjoy the world and still maybe not hurt anybody in the process. Hey, how about Jesus Christ? How about hurting Him? Young people, get your heart right with the Lord. You know the truth. You're playing with the devil. You are playing around with Him. Listen, I remember... Uh, you, who, who hasn't taken lasers or flashlights and uh, when, if you have a, a cat or your friend's cat and in the living room taking that laser or that flashlight and just moved it around all over the floor and watched that little kitty cat chase that around, move it up on the wall and see him try to climb the walls and we laugh and we think it's funny. And yet some of you are playing around with a roaring lion And you're being amused, thinking, oh, this is fun. There's nothing wrong with this. My parents must be old-fashioned and fuddy-duddy and outdated. They don't know what they're talking about. My pastor, he must be one of those haters. He must be one of those Pharisees. I'm not going to listen to what he says because I'm having too much fun playing with Kitty Kitty. Until Kitty Kitty turns around and roars, destroys your life. Build a castle around your life, around your heart, around your soul with strong walls and a high tower. And be a vigilant gatekeeper. Fortify your castle and make it strong. 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace, and thank you, Lord, for the principles of the Word of God. Father, I pray that this message would find a place in our hearts today. Lord, we are living in a a day and age where the imaginations and thoughts of men's hearts are only evil continually. And Lord, I know we need to protect ourselves with security protocols. Lord, we need to do everything we can to keep our lives and our possessions safe. But Father, may we see past the here and the now. May we see past the physical and recognize that the spiritual is eternal. The spiritual is what matters the most. And may we take that same common sense, wisdom, and diligence May we build castles to protect us here in this evil world, not castles of isolation, not castles of legalism, but castles of doing whatever it takes to say, Lord, I'm a king, I'm a priest, I'm a child of God, and I want to make sure that I protect everything that you have given me, especially my testimony God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would use this message to help our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you remain seated with your heads bowed and your eyes closed as the pianist plays? If God has spoke to your heart here today, maybe you've recognized a need in your life that maybe you haven't been building a castle in your life. Maybe there's just some areas where you've got to fortify it and make those walls a little taller. You've been allowing some worldly influences. They've robbed you of your joy. They've made the things of God a drudgery and a checklist rather than a joy and a privilege. You think more about sports, fashion, and friends than you ever think about Jesus Christ, the gospel, the word of God. You give worship just a little lick and a promise, but everything that the world has to offer, you throw yourself into it with all of your heart. You need to build a castle because you're living in the village. You live in the village and you're going to get robbed, you're going to get mugged, or you might even get spiritually killed. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand to our feet. I hope the message has been a help and a blessing to you here today. And uh, I wanted to mention, because of the the recent COVID situation, I'm not going to be out in the foyer shaking hands, but I will be right out here in the parking lot. And so I'd ask be please drive by and let me at least say hi to you. Those of you that have been guests today, I'd love to have the opportunity to meet you. We certainly hope that you'll all come back. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Brother W.B. Sharp, if you would, please close us in prayer.